not close enough. That's closer. You know we have to do this in French. It's allowed here. No. <laughs> Are we ready? Thank everybody for coming out today to Pop Montreal. Today's uh, interview is entitled, Jean Grey is your favorite. And what a coincidence, Jean, you are my favorite. Am I? Yeah. Yeah. For real. Thank you. This coffee machine is going to destroy this interview. I'm already feeling it. I'm, I'm a little torn because I love coffee, yet I want to do the interview. <laughs> Man. Oh, the last, this is the last espresso. Any of y'all need espresso? Ever? No. Oh, just for here. Okay, good. All right, good. Well, you are one of my favorites, hands down, uh, in all of hip-hop. And one of the things I always say, people always argue, like, who's the best? Who's the top five? What's this? But for me, personally, you're my favorite writer in rap. Thank you. I don't know anyone that really has your style of writing. I don't know where you got your style of writing. But I do know you were raised by two fairly prominent jazz musicians. Yes. Born in South Africa. Yes. Your father's name was Abdullah Ibrahim. Mm-hmm. Really famous. He's pretty. He, he's, he's pretty good. Yeah, and, yeah. and Dollar Brand, in case any of y'all know that more. And uh, your mother was Sathima B. Benjamin. Yes. Worked at Duke Ellington. Yeah. This Billy is a little Strayhorn. before your time. No, no, I'm, I'm actually 72. Really? I just look really good for my age. You do, you look fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Now, you, where were you? You were born in South Africa? I was born in Cape Town, South Africa. Cape Town, yeah. how long did you stay there? Uh, about three months. Right. Oh. So that was not a long time, but it was also, uh, you know, uh, 1976. Right. And uh, the. So you're year... not 72, actually. Let's just. You come need on, to do man. better. You need to do better here if you're going to try <laughs> to. These are smart Canadians. I know. They're very smart. I, I, I really enjoy them already. Yeah, and that's right. why I knew they were going to catch on to that okay. immediately. Okay. They were like, she's totally lying. She can, you know, get on with the rest of the story. And you didn't have to poke fun at me like that. I feel very sensitive. Um, I thought we were in a beach setting and this was going to be more relaxing. Uh, let, me sit, let me sit no. back. Let me sit back. Um, it, it was the, the year of the uh, Soweto uh, uprisings. Right. And um, so my parents... Uh, you know, we're traveling in, in 1970. They had already been uh, in Europe and, and in New York and doing uh, the Newport Jazz Festival. Uh, but they came back specifically to, uh, to Swaziland. Uh, so my brother was born in South Africa to make sure that, that uh, started traveling again, as gigging musicians do, and then returned back in 1976. Um, but then made the uh, ultimate choice to self-exile um, because... Uh, because South Africa in 1976 pretty much is seems self-explanatory, I guess. I've been to the Apartheid Museum in Soweto before. Yeah. The you moved to Brooklyn? No, um, I uh, we we I, I want to say we, but I don't have any stake in uh, where they decided to move because I was three months old. Right. Uh, they chose uh, Manhattan, Chelsea in Manhattan, uh, and more specifically, the Chelsea Hotel. So uh, I don't know if any of you guys know the history of the Chelsea Hotel, but really interesting choice. That was a good time for the Chelsea it was Hotel. A, it, was the, it was the best time. <laughs> um, it, was, it was, you know, Sid killed Nancy time. Yeah. You were there? I, yeah, it was uh, 77, yeah. Whoa. That happened. And I did not kill Nancy, by the way. I was too young. You were way too young. Yeah. 
Now you moved there later in life again, right? Didn't you live there later in life? I did. Um, uh, lived in, uh, grew up in Chelsea and, and uh, moved to uh, Brooklyn, I guess, maybe, what was it, it was about 17, 18, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And um, moving back to the Chelsea, my, my mom always kept her place there mm-hmm. until uh, a few years ago when someone had finally bought the Chelsea out. Um, but moved to uh, Brooklyn, and uh, that's a good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we'll get back to that, I'm guessing. Yeah, we can get back to yeah. that. And then um, I, when I started uh, uh, performing and touring and, and kind of making my own money, I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, I can find my own place to live. And I don't know if any of you know how difficult it is for artists to uh, find a place to live with, because yeah, your man, your money looks real shaky. Mm-hmm. Like where are you getting paid from? You're like, oh, kind of just a bunch of places, just random checks and stuff. Um, and so the only place I could end up moving into ended up being moving back to the Chelsea uh, in about ooh, 1999. Mm-hmm. New York makes things real difficult. They make things uh, real difficult and real expensive. Yeah. So at that point, it was, I called it a studio duplex mm-hmm. um, because it was one room, but I had a loft bed. So I was like, that's totally two floors. Um, and in 1999, it was $2,700. That's crazy. West 23rd Street in Manhattan, though. Yeah. You're in the middle of it. Yeah. Now, before that, though, you talk about when you moved to Brooklyn. You had a group before Natural Resource, right? Uh, I first heard of you at Natural Resource. Yes. I kind of had a group. Mm-hmm. Um, there was... I was, I was um, doing a lot of production, and I made a lot of beats, and I gave people a lot of beat tapes, and I, I wasn't really, like, rapping for, in front of people. Um, and uh, so I had started rapping in front of people, and uh, so this other dude was like, hey, we should like start a group. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Uh, so we ended up doing about five songs and we sent it into the Source magazine, had this thing called Unsigned Hype at the time where you send in your tape and they were like, oh, we're picking you for this issue of Unsigned mm-hmm. Hype. And I was like, I there were some other some other MCs just, got that too. I think there was Nas. I think mm-hmm. Biggie might have got that. Biggie got unsigned high. I think so. Right. Yeah, I've I've gone just as far as there you Biggie, go. so that worked out for me. Worked out a little better, maybe. Oh yeah. A little better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> now yes, yeah. definitely. Well, what's interesting to me is I lived in in uh, New York in 1994, and it was really evident at that moment that there was a real, there was a whole new scene developing there because of course New York is hip hop mecca. There was so many things going on. In my opinion, like 94 was one of the best years for like the bigger rap albums, especially from New York. Some of my favorite albums came out that year. But watching you and and Ocean and the whole crew of Pumpkinhead and guys like that really first starting out and then seeing what became just a few years later with the Def Jux and the other labels that came out after that, like seeing that whole independent hip-hop movement really starting in New York was, it was just, it was a dynamic time, for real, and you were right in the middle of all of it. Yeah, we, um, uh, we met probably on, on one of my first, you know, uh, growing up in Manhattan and being a very, man, and I still consider myself a Manhattanite, like I saw um, a, a poster posted for me for uh, performing at A3C, which is a, a music festival in Atlanta, 
and it said Brooklyn's Jean Grey, and I was like, I'm, I'm not from Brooklyn. I'm t- I'm t- for the last time, I'm not, I, I, did, I was on Crooklyn Dodgers 3, and my entire mm-hmm. verse is about not being from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a Manhattanite, moving to Brooklyn was a very, very big deal for me. So I remember that trip to uh, 307 hmm. as like a big deal. I was like, oh, this is like the suburbs. This is crazy. That was Clinton People Hill. It was just outside of Fort Greene. That's nuts. Well, to clarify what 307 is, 307 Clinton Avenue in Brooklyn in the Clinton, Ave- Clinton Hill neighborhood yes. was where a record label called Making Records started. And what's funny is I'm from Texas, partially from Texas. But it was started by a group of folks who came up from Texas specifically to open a studio and work with young MCs in New York. Not and young MC. Not young MC. He was still out west. That would out have been west. a weird choice. Might have been big. Like, but he, he didn't even live in New York. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, I personally, I lived in this house for a year as things were getting started with making records. And honestly, I liked you. I liked Scavone. I liked a couple other people. But these people would come over at 10 o'clock at night and freestyle till like 6 in the morning. And so I kind of hated everyone a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> personally, no, not personally. No, that's fine. No, I, um, but I'm not one of I'm not one of those uh, uh, people. Yeah, I don't know like if you were there. You were you weren't freestyling never, all night. No, I don't do that. But you were in that. You were down with uh, people. I don't like. I've never like been someone to like jump in like the middle of like a cipher or. Uh, someone asked me the other day at the end of a show, and I felt really bad. Like I always feel really bad saying no, but I'm an adult, so I can make mm-hmm. those choices. And he was like, it was after like a set, and he was like, Gene, would you mind like freestyling with me like backstage? And I was like, I would. And he was like, you would? No, I was like, no, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. I would totally mind. I just want to go to sleep. Right. But that, those first records, the Natural Resource albums, which are uh, singles that came out, that was your first yep. group to release vinyl. Yes. Before the internet, before all these things, this before was that. very organic, a group of people who just kind of came together in the middle of Brooklyn in a small, very small studio, microphone in the closet sort of thing. Maybe in the bathroom, actually, I think the microphone was in. Maybe. In an attic. And just started releasing 12 inches under a label called Making Records. Under a label called Making Records, without our uh, actual name on the record. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, uh, retrospect, probably a really bad idea. It didn't say natural resource it did on not. the record? It, just said, said, it said NR, and then had N- a, right. a baseball diamond, and, uh, and really badly drawn silhouettes of what we were supposed to look like, did not look like us at all. And, uh, and Stretch and Bob, Bobito, played the record, and were like, if this is your record, we love it, please mm-hmm. call up to the radio station. Right, and that was, what was the name of that song? That baseball? was baseball. Yeah. yeah. That's funny because uh, we had very limited you know, access to a lot of this music and Stretch and Bobito's tapes that people traded literally through the mail and hand-to-hand were like our internet. Yeah, that's uh, you know, how, how things uh, got around. Well, I think your verse on that album, I love Ocean, I love that My that verse album. is really the best. Your verse is the Let's best. But it also drew people in because you came with you weren't just rapping. You had a whole style. You did the Beavis and Butthead impersonation. Yeah. And nobody that was and really random. And you did. It was almost like a skit within an album for yeah. a second, or within a song. And it was just a really unique thing. And I love to see uh, those sort of things happen so organically. And here we sit in 2015. You've done a lot since then. Yeah. Right I'm too. exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. I thought right? this was gonna be like half chat and then like half like we just all take a nap. 
because I'm really up for that right now. <laughs> it can be. Yeah, it could. We have a... Tell me about what's going on with you right now, though, because I, watch, I follow you online oh. pretty religiously. You're always, you've always got something new going on. You've been on TV. You've got your own web series. You've been doing spoken appearances like what like a, is that a, what's the what's the what's the Jean Grey top I've been show? doing slam poetry no no, no. <laughs> which would be, be hilarious I might actually have to do that and just start like a slam poetry night and just it would be really bad you live, um, you live slam poetry I do um I don't know what that means but I do you live it I want to agree to um I I've been uh well I've, I've always been writing um, you know, before uh, uh, the the rap portion of it, and, and getting into hey, like I I really like to do this because I love rap. I love writing because I love language. I love the English language. I just really like writing, and I like writing in different forms, which I think rap was um, an easy go-to for me. Um, allowing myself to play different characters, allowing myself to be uh, vulnerable and tell stories, and let it be um, a form of talk therapy. You know, uh, being able to get things out and then have to repeat it for yourself all the time, which is sometimes really terrible. Um, so uh, I don't even know when everything else started. So I've been uh, directing videos. Um, we started Life with Jeannie, mm -hmm. um, which was a web series, and then realized that I couldn't throw all my time every, because everyone was like, hey, you can't do a half an hour sitcom that's crazy, at least cut it down to like 15 minutes. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I want a sitcom to be a sitcom. Mm -hmm. um, so made the first four episodes kind of ridiculous. What you shouldn't jump to in a sitcom in the first season. Mm -hmm. Like the first episode is Christmas. Um, the second episode was like a flashback episode. <laughs> the third episode was animation. And the fourth was like a mockumentary. So it was like just breaking every possible rule. And I was like, I can't do this and then do all the other things that I do. Mm -hmm. um, I started a show, uh, a live show called um, The White Hot Room, mm -hmm. uh, which initially started as a podcast. And then I took it live to Union Hall, which was pretty much what you're doing right now. Really? Um, so I sit down and, uh, and talk to, to one of my friends. Um, so we did about six. I think it was um, Just Blaze, Wyatt Cenac, Justin Warder, Young Guru, Adam Mansback, um, and Liz Winstead. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was like, okay, we got to bring that back. Let's see what else we can do. Um, I now have a live talk show that happens at Union Hall, okay. usually um, twice, mm, once a month, because it's really hard to put an entire talk show together. Uh, yeah, this was really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> this was hard. No, this is like this is like <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting like I'm the host. I do a monologue. There's a DJ. I have guests come on. Yeah. Uh, we do commercials. There's a musical guest. Um, yeah, that is it's mm -hmm. rough, but it's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and I I I I really have a good time doing that. Um, beyond that, I've been doing a lot of writing and. Uh, Reading-wise, I've been DJing some. I've been co-hosting and hosting a lot of comedy events, doing some stand-up, um, built new pyramids on yeah. top of the old pyramids so that they look exactly like the old pyramids, which is why you can't that tell. That was you? That was me. Damn. Well, you, uh, now the talk show... Oh, wait, and I, uh, so since 2013, 
uh, put out 12 albums, a book, and an audio book. I was going to get to that. 12 albums. That I, may have happened. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you, yesterday, someone said to me, Jean Grey, I haven't heard her in a while, man. When's the last time she put out an album? I, said, I get that out, every day. Maybe, I, thought, I said 10. I didn't, that's I okay. I, yeah, that's close enough. Right. But I, I, um, I've, I find it interesting that, and I, I think something happens um, with, I, and I call them theoretical fans, you know, uh, and there's always kind of been a thing with me where you're like, oh, I want her to be, you know, it's a female MC and I want her to stand for these things and then I want to keep her in a place where it's the 90s and I can enjoy that music and she does those kinds of things. And I'm like, that's just not, it's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. Especially when we live in a, in a, in a time where you can absolutely, like you're following me. You're following me on Twitter, you're following me on Instagram, you're following me on Facebook, you may be following me in real life, I'm not sure. Um, but you see all of these things. And uh, the way that people will explain it to me is, you know, I can't keep updated. And, I, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm a, I'm, I'm a musician and an artist, but I'm also a fan mm-hmm. of a lot of people. So if I want to keep up with what they're doing, I definitely like, can type their name into Google and then be like, what? literally type in like, what is blank doing mm-hmm. now? And then that name will come up and then I will see it. Right, but in fairness these days, the noise is a lot noisier. Like the internet's supposed to make things more accessible and more easy to get to. When you put out your first records, they were really unique and, and something that, uh, and your new records are very unique. But when you put those out and people were, you know, there was something that was promoted in a certain way. And now you're constantly barraged, like kids these days who come up with just the internet. Like they're barraged yeah. constantly with so much stuff. For me personally, who I try to keep up with everything musically, it's hard to keep up. It's I a think lot. it's even harder now with all this stuff on the internet when you open up your Spotify and all of a sudden some stuff you never want to hear just pops up in your face and all these other I think there's just a lot more noise. That, I mean, that I, I, that. But I, I think... I understand your point, but you also took your records down. You put them up temporarily, then took them down, so yeah. I couldn't even get the first two. No, you couldn't. Until a while later. That, that was a little... I like, I like um, you know, and, and I, th- I think especially because we're in a, um, an age where we can play around with marketing and technology, I'm like, all right, well... Um, it, and, and what makes it interesting is I was like, let me see what happens. And with all these fans who were like, no, I, I'm totally, I'm a huge fan of yours. I'm like, eh, kind of not. And so I'm like, I'm taking all the music down. It'll be gone by Sunday. That was the most money I've made in a very, very long time because they knew it was something that would be taken away from them immediately. Exactly. And I was like, no, nah, I was just kidding. I'll, I'll put it back. But thanks. It's good to know. Um, I've done things where I make all my albums twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars just for a weekend, and everyone gets mad. I'm like, why? You weren't gonna buy it anyway. For five. Just, what's the problem? Is it harder now to get five bucks for an, for a release online than it was to get fifteen for a CD? Of course. Yeah. Of course, and um, I don't understand it because it's easier, and I I also don't understand uh, what makes it really difficult for me is people asking for physical copies of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I am from the 70s. Um, so I would think that, you know, I could totally be on your side about this. Um, but I have made the suggestion that if an artist doesn't make a physical copy of that, why don't you just burn a CD 
and then you can take that with you. It's the same music. It's, I promise you that it sounds exactly the same on that CD as the thing that you're saying, you don't like digital music. I, I don't understand. I mean, for the young people, I don't totally understand if they weren't grown up you know, collecting records and stuff. I, I yeah. feel that way. Some it's hard to buy. You're one of the few that I actually buy digital. Honestly. I appreciate. I see like, your I name every music. time you buy something, I buy and my I appreciate music, it. You know when yeah. it comes online, but it's hard, especially when I have every album ever released right here, right now, yeah. in my pocket. So do you. It's there. But it's really cool to see that uh, you you keep that going because there's so many people now who will drop a song. But like you literally talk about some of these albums because you didn't just release twelve rap albums by yeah. far. They weren't just twelve rap; they were concept albums. They were concept albums. My um, favorite ones are yeah. the instructional instructional albums for adults. Yes, two of those. <laughs> um, the instructional album for adults. Uh, that's not how you do that. Yes, and that's not how you do that either. Um, <laughs> just um, songs about uh, things that happen in, in uh, general life. One of, uh, from the last album, there's Put the Money in My Hand. Yes. Uh, which is if you go to a store and uh, you hand the cashier money and then when they hand it back, they throw it on the counter, which why would you do that? Mm -hmm. I'm right here. Um, there is the Plane Trilogy. The Airplane ones are great. The Airplane Trilogy with um, please just put your bag up and sit down while we're boarding. Uh, when we are in mid-flight, mm -hmm. um, use your core to get up out of your seat. Don't pull back the person's seat in front of you. Just why are you doing that? And then uh, the third part of that song uh, is, is this your first time getting off a plane? Because there's a system, the pr we go in order of, of rows, just let them out. Please, why is this taking so long? That's an excellent song. I like Keep to the Right. I like the Keep, one to, the Keep right, to the Right. Keep to the Right is also good. good. That also works in airports. That's <laughs> yes. one to sing in airports. Yeah. Right? I wanted to ask you this because was last year or this year you went back to South Africa? Um, I believe what, it was last year. Were those your first shows in South Africa? Um, no, uh, like ever? Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, but uh, it was. It was in, it was my my first uh, show since my mom had passed, right. you know, and and uh, people were like, well, why don't you come back and do stuff? I was like, I'm kind of not that I'm you know trying to distance myself from South Africa. I just I'm not ready to go. I haven't been able to deal with. Uh, I've been so busy that I haven't been able to deal with uh, grieving for my mom or even you know handling things with family, mm -hmm. and it's such a crazy crazy long trip. Yep. Like if you're going, it's a 24-hour trip to get there, Easy. and you can't. You, I think I stayed for like three days. Like I was in, we did a panel, and then I did a show, and I was like, I have to go home to work. And the rest of my family was like, That's insane. There's, you shouldn't be doing that. I was like, No, I shouldn't be doing that. Um, but it's you know finding the time um, to be like, Okay, when? How can I be away mm -hmm. for a month? How am I, I going to make money being away for a month and, and what happens? And, uh, you know, me still doing rap shows and, and doing all these other things because I, I'm trying so hard to transition into other careers and other mm -hmm. things. You have to be able to even just be present at shows. 
um, to show your face, to show support, and if it's small things, it's paying your dues in, in whole other areas. So wanting to do those things has really, it's, it's, it's hard to decide, you know, am I really gonna do this in order to plan for my future? Um, what's the future outside of rap music? You know, am I going to do that starting now, or do I have time to take a month, two months off a time to, to see my family? So going back to do the shows, it's, it's always emotional, um, but I think that one was probably really, really super rough. The photos looked like there was a pretty, it was huge. It was huge. It was really big, yeah. And they knew your history? They know you're from there, originally from there? Yeah. Um, and also, this is, a, <laughs> this is what I remember about that show, I don't know. Yeah. It was a lot of dudes, and I've never, like, I don't shy away from being like, hey, we, we don't have to mention that I'm a woman who raps on stage, and I wear what outfits I feel like wearing at the time, um, just like a normal person, mm -hmm. um, but I, I believe I'd worn a dress that day, and I was like, this is, it was very... There was a vibe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting vibe. It was an interesting vibe. And I was, I was on the show with, um, with Pharaoh, and, um, right. and uh, I was like, ah, oh, you're gonna get like a super cool like rap vibe. And I was like, not that I didn't get a rap vibe. I was like, but there was like another vibe in that rap vibe, which was weird. Elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, and an adult uh, male, uh, very uh, sexual outpouring of love. Um, Take me back to the like USA. Not like physically. They wanted you to bring him back to the USA. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. I, and and I, I remember I, I was talking to uh, Satori, mm -hmm. um, our manager, and she was like, what did you do? I was like, I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't do anything. I was, I was being very emotional. So that was weird. Right. Well, to be honest, I mean, they don't get they get to see an American rap show yeah. once a year, twice a year. Yeah. Not too many people really make that trip. And you really did you just go there? Did you go, were there any other places in Africa or have you ever performed anywhere else in Africa? Um, no. And it I, it's it's another like really weird thing. And I'm, and and but especially even from places like South Africa and people always like come back do the do do Durban do Johannesburg and I was like I would love to do all those places and my thing has always been that I don't want to just go and and do like big shows in places because there's a lot of places that those kids from from the townships or for everyone else can't get to that wouldn't make any sense for me and I'm like if you guys can set up something where we do workshops and do these other things that's fine and that's great. Um, so that trip, uh, the, the, there was another trip that I had last year uh, where I did the, um, where I worked with children from uh, Joe Slovo uh, Township um, and worked with them with creative writing for about a week and a half. These were just really amazing writers, not ri amazing writers because they're kids even. Mm -hmm. um, really, really great. Um, and, then, and then ended up from there doing shows and brought them onto the show and had them uh, do spoken word and read their pieces. Um, that was amazingly inspiring. So if I can go and do that in places, that's fine. But just showing up to do rap show doesn't feel good to me. Right. There's a lot more you can do down there. Yeah. 
So now you say you're trying, are you transitioning out of this though? Do you, would you, in, in 20 years, would you still do a rap show? No. If I called you and said, we want you to come down no. and do this, you wouldn't do no. it? No. How much more time do we have? How, how much, much more time? How much money would you? Man, in 20, <laughs> I'm going to be rich in 20 years. I'm going to be rich. Um, in 20, I, maybe. I, and, and you know, it's, it's nothing that I, that I, I don't, I, I have to be, which is ironically also why I wear this hat, because I knew this conversation would happen. Um, I, there, there, there are so many things that I love about rap, music, technically, um, music-wise, history-wise, my, you know, my own history-wise, and then there are a lot of reasons that I feel a huge distance from it. Um, and I, I describe it in a lot of ways as, would you keep going back to the job where you knew there was never a chance for promotion? Like after 20 years, would you stay at that same job if you knew that you, you were the best employee that they had? Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. That's a, it's a really interesting thing to do even though you really, really love your job. Um, so I think it's partially that, but uh, more so on the other side, it's, I've been doing it for more than half my life. Mm -hmm. And I believe in people having other lives and finding other things to do. There's a big world out there. I love learning new things. I love doing other things. So I don't feel like I should ever be stuck doing one thing, you know? Um, my rap life was great. It was really, really good. I went around the world. I pretty much nailed it. Like, I had a great time. Mm -hmm. and, and I'd like to move on to doing other things. So if you have a great amount of money for that show, um, or the food and the drinks are, right. are earmuffs. Earmuffs. <laughs> She's used to it. Used to it. Oh, never mind. Are motherfucking amazing. Yeah. Then, yes. Right. I'll totally do that show. All right. We're going to work on that. Okay. What's your ideal situation then? What, what is your dream right now? Um, for, the, for the next, for, for, my, for my next trick. Um, oh, I always wanted there to be like a, prostitute who was also moonlighting as a magician who said that every time there's money like a now for my next trick <laughs> all right um that was <laughs> so stand-up comedy that's nice I don't, I don't, you know no I, I don't um it's been one of those things where i like i don't know if, if my my comedy is necessarily just stand-up as much mm -hmm. as it is writing thing and I, I really love dialogue and i love doing that um uh, making some movies, um, working on uh, cooking a little bit more because that, that you know I, I think in in the past four or five years that's probably the thing that I love to do most, mm -hmm. um, and uh, just all the creative things. I I, I do everything at, at once, and I think there's a need for polymaths mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's something that's not encouraged as much anymore, especially in young girls. So I think it's really important to say you don't have to just choose this one thing to be a specialist at, and it's not being a jack of all trades, mm -hmm. master of none. It's really, really mastering things, and then being like, okay, I have that down, I have that down, I have that down. 
Uh, so I got about five more things I need to do. You ever heard of Jack Beers? No. Jack Beers was this amazing, was it me? It's not for you. Okay. We're, we're all right. Okay. The doors are locked. All right. I get nervous. You've seen the news. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Jack Beers was this really, really amazing New Yorker, and he just passed a little while ago. There's this great documentary on him called uh, Holes in My Shoes. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it. Um, but uh, so you, you watch his whole uh, life pretty much from like New York and like the 1918 and, and all of the lives that he led. He started out, uh, you know, as immigrants, really, really, really poor family. Uh, he um, became the strong man of New York. He was the strongest man in, in New York and he did crazy things like lift cars and. Um, so he went from that, he was like, I don't wanna, do, I'm not gonna do that anymore, I'm gonna become a construction worker. And uh, the way that uh, he was so amazing is that he could lift these steel beams and carry things that other people couldn't carry. So Jack Beers is like the person, like he would go to all these buildings and he was like, Radio City Musical, yeah, I built that top, I built that, he built the top of the Empire State Building and about, 40% of New York buildings that are like landmarks, Jack Beers had some hand in. He uh, built uh, and built the foundation for what he didn't know was the Manhattan Project at the time. And after that, he was like, I gotta get out of this. I don't wanna do this anymore. You know what I'm doing? I'm gonna be an actor. He was then in about 75 movies. Um, and just lived a, just amazing, I can, I can do this and then I can totally change and, and be some, oh no, he did dog training for a while and then he was the greatest dog trainer in the world. He just muscled him down, just held him down. <laughs> was, so this, but this, this video starts with him being like 93 and he's, he's ripping a phone book apart. And everyone was like, what? At the, 93 years at old? At 93 years old. So um, yeah, if I could pretty much, <laughs> Not rip a phone, but that's never gonna happen. No. They even make those? No. They still make those? Do they? Maybe a phone, like a very thin phone. A thin phone. I could rip a thin Just phone in half. Smash it with your foot. <laughs> a so razor like, phone. Yeah. People are getting back into flip phones. Did you notice that? No, I haven't. Yeah. Where's that? No. Manhattan? Yeah. Really? Brooklyn. I've seen uh, three friends of mine showed up with flip phones the other day, and I was like, oh, that's cute. I see what you're doing. What? See, look. What? How do you, how do you feel about it? Oh. I can appreciate that not having all that crap in your pocket. Nothing look, there's nothing yeah. to look at on the flip phone. That's cool. I can respect that. Right. <laughs> that is also a benefit. He's like, I can throw it in this beer right now. Nothing will happen to nothing. it. It's going to be perfectly fine. It might actually be more awesome. Yeah. Well, I like that you, what you, where you started that off when you talked about inspiring young girls and inspiring people to change up and do different things in life. You yeah. don't have to just do one thing because I think that's one of the saddest stories in rap or in music in general when you see the rapper who, especially the ones who peak too soon or, or blow up right out of the box yeah. and then seem to disappear, but these people didn't disappear. They still exist. They're still doing something. And yeah. Whether they're still trying to rap or they're trying to act, there's always something or they're working at a car wash. 
like some of our biggest legends ever, which is actually true. Which is, yeah, and, and you know, I, and, and I also come from, you know, a, a line of people who, that I watch that happen. There's jazz artists and, right. and, and people that you'll be like, oh my God, you're, you're working at a Walmart. Why is, this is crazy. Um, and not that I knock that, and I don't, you know, whatever it is you need to do to, to get on with life and feed your family, then mm-hmm. okay. Um, making the choice to stay within artistic things is fucking hard. Hard. It's fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's always a hustle, and it's always a gamble, no matter how, think, how, how much you think you're being financially stable with some things. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. Right. It's a lot, little easier to go get a job for some people, I think. But this, is, uh, this has been your career. You've done this and you've maintained for many years. I've seen you in festivals all over the world. I've seen you in many different capacities and it's just really incredible to see you still here today at Pop Montreal, tonight at Club Soda. This could be her last show. So tell all your friends. This could <laughs> it's be the it. last show, you guys. This could be the last, the last. This is the last show. You better tell people to come out. You might, you might tell your Toronto friends to make the drive. This could be it. Yeah. Do you want I, to- I hope I don't... It's not going to... I could plan something weird for the last show. Like I could kill the audience. No. Or no. Go out on the bank. Not in Canada. Nice as these people are? No, that's right. No, not in Canada. No, you're not right. No, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. Now you guys. Nice now you guys. Now Come you guys. on. And you want to be able to get home. Yeah. They'll get I, you. I don't, They'll get I, you I, quick I don't care. At that border. I, I traveled back to back. Um, I, I'm actually the one person that I know out of all the people I know who's been able to travel overseas with no ID. I've actually booked you on shows before where you actually made it with no ID. See? And or I sat, and, sat there for the whole day. Waiting, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just waiting. <laughs> but she made it. Yeah. Just Google her. Yeah, so so don't worry about that. I won't kill the audience, but if I did, I could get home. Okay. Is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Do we have any questions? Does anybody want to ask uh, Jean Grey any questions here in the audience? Does anybody? I love questions. Um, I heard of you from like Herbalizer albums. Ah, you good had a stuff. different name. Then. Yes, my name was What What. I'm sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> well, I was just gonna ask. Like, did you start with Jean Grey, go to What What, and come back? No, um, I I started out as What What, okay. and um, when I, I I was still with Natural Resource when we made those records, and also it was still the '90s, so forgive. Um, <laughs> And, and when I wanted to establish myself as a solo artist, I was like, I should choose another name. And also, um, the song uh, Super Thug by Noriega had just come out. And the hook to that, really annoying, really annoying. And everyone thought it was very, very funny. And I was like, I don't want that name anymore. Thank you. And we can't forget the production yes. name, Run Run Shaw. And Run Run Shaw. Sorry about it. How old were you when you started? <sighs> um, I started DJing when uh, I was about 12 or, wow. or 13. I saw um, in the back of a magazine, I saw these turntables. And my mom was like, I don't know what to get you for your birthday. And I was like, I want these. I want these. I want to. I want a DJ. So she got me uh, the wrong turntables. Uh, and they were terrible, terrible turntables. <laughs> um, but I took them and I started going to house parties and I started DJing. 
But the best part of it was uh, the sampler. So I started making beats on the sampler that came with it. Um, so I guess everything starts around around 12, 13, and I was still pretty young when baseball came out. Seven, 16, 17, I'm lying. Somewhere around there. 95, 96? 96. Dates are weird. I was 12. How old are you? Nine. What do you do? I play the violin. You do? How long have you been playing the violin? This is going to be my third year. What? Do you love it? Yeah. So you don't, uh, you don't, uh, you don't argue about uh, any of your practice or any of that, any no. practice time? No. Fantastic. Is that what you think you want to do? You want to do something in music? I want to be an actress. Oh, yeah. good. Do you take acting classes? No. Now you're just going to go for it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I will tell you that your, um, your violin skills will not uh, go unused at all. So stay with it. Because there's, I, I took violin for one year, uh, and I wish I had stuck with it. Like, I stuck with other things like piano, but I don't want to go back and do violin now. But I wish I'd had the skills. So stay with it. You're going to be awesome. That when you when you brought up the I'm actually just thinking, how did you connect with the herbalizer back then? Like, how was you're in New York? They're this like, you know, cinematic kind of like even hoity-toity British band that I love. But how did that happen? <laughs> how did that happen? Um, uh, I I actually uh, was I called in by Blue Note, and Blue Note was working on this rap record with this group, Us Three. I don't know if you remember them. They made that song, uh, Cantaloupe. Yeah, sure. So they were taking all the Blue Note uh, catalogs and, and making really, really terrible rap songs with them. And they were like, we want a rapper on this. And I was like, ah, great opportunity, but what if I'm like forever known as like the Us Three girl? <laughs> like I will have murdered all of my career before I even start. Um, and so weird other fact, at that time, Chub Rock had just moved next door to me. Uh, and so he was like, you should go do this. And I was like, that sounds terrible. I don't want to do it. So he sat down with my parents and was like, she should go over there. You, you really just got to let her go. So I was like, well, okay, on this, if we can make this condition that I'll record with us three, I'll record one song. And uh, if I hate it, then you just won't use it. And they were like, fine. So I went. I recorded the song, and like right as the last bar was in, I was like, I don't like it, I hate it, I hate it. <laughs> uh, and they were like, all right, get out of here. Um, but while I was there, I guess someone who worked with us three or Blue Note had contacted the Herbalizer, and they were like, hey, we'd love you to come listen to some beats, because we, we've heard uh, baseball, we, we, we know your, your, your music, which was crazy. And I went over there, I was like, this is what I want to do. Awesome. So I ended up um, coming back and, and recording with them. Wow, that's yeah. a wild story. I'm yeah, it, is. <laughs> it involved Chubb Rock for no reason. Chubb Rock, us three, awesome. You say you went over there, you went to England? Yes. Or Yeah. Anyone else? No one? Yeah. That's a great dress, by the way. Really? God, I want that. It's
It's apparently made in Hawaii. It's, it's fabulous. <laughs> I just want to know, how do you travel internationally without ID? You talk. You uh, try your best to communicate really well. In, in, a, in a kind of, these are not the droids you're looking for way. Um, and just kind of explain the situation and be like, look, I'm not trying to make it hard on you. Uh, I just want to go do my job at the end of the day. And I want you to feel like you've done your job. Uh, how can we really work this out so that we, we're not disappointing a whole bunch of people? And then you try to throw kids in, and children. Children. Let's not disappoint the children. Usually goes okay. I haven't been successful. No. <laughs> I, have, I have people who are traveling with me who get angry that they, they get pulled aside and will end up tur turning to me and be like, she doesn't have anything. I'm like, don't, it's not, don't bring me into this. They can Google you. They can Google you right there. Yeah. Right on their phones. I've, I've also used that. Yeah. I've also used Googling. Yeah. I'll just shake my head at that and <laughs> move on. Do you have anyone else with a question for Jean Grey? I don't want to let the cameraman do his thing first before I cut in front of him. All right. Oh, no nice. Problem. That was very thoughtful, Matt. Thoughtful person. Hi. Hello. Hey. I used to order my records a lot from Sandbox Automatic. Fantastic. And I remember there being a promotion that I still remember to this day. Is it a contest? It was a contest where you were supposed to stalk somebody. And I, was, and I still remember that. And I always wondered, did that ever come to fruition? And also, who came up with that idea? Because I was like, <laughs> I mean, it's like 15 years ago. And I, when I think yeah. of you, I think of that. It's pretty I, I don't know how I feel about that. That sounds perfectly right. <laughs> And that is probably how you should think of me. Um, I, had for, I had absolutely forgotten about this and um, just moved into a new place. So like, just going through a bunch of old photos and stuff and there was like an old uh, press, press things. And then there were, I was like, what is this? And it said Sandbox Automatic. And I was like, why do I have so many papers from Sandbox? And it's about like 75 entries of uh, Jean Grey will stalk you for a day. And I was like, I don't, what's, and then I was like, this is what's horrible. I don't remember if I did it or not. Um, but I had a whole questionnaire. Uh, did, you, did you do one? No, actually, I, I, Why? I don't remember if I, no, I don't see, think I see. did. I should have, you know, it really. But I always thought that was a brilliant, like if you're talking about like physical distribution and how it can stay relevant, yeah. Boom, you nailed it right on that one. I think, I think the idea is, and, and, and what I was trying to do there, and, and, and again, that was like, you know, that was with my, my first solo project. And I was like, what are people not doing? And I was like, just the fact that we're able to be interactive. Um, like, I, I, as a fan, I want to think of, I want fun things, I want contests, but I, I don't want anything that I've seen before, because where's the fun in that? And, um, and it also makes it kind of creepy. Um, so if I can make myself creepy to people, I'm fine with that. I don't know, I don't, that's not a good way to end that question. That's not a good <laughs> sentence to end on. Pop Montreal, Jean Grey. And if I can make myself creepy, I'm good with that. Do we have anybody else with a question for Jean Grey? No? That's not about me being creepy. <laughs> That's hard, that's hard, though. You're making it hard on the audience now, really limiting the scope of questions oh. that could come to the table with you. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is supposed to be relaxed. It is a beach environment. I it am is. sorry. I apologize. you got to be open. Yet again. 
Well, I definitely appreciate everybody for coming out today. Appreciate you so much, Jean Grey. Very excited to see your last show ever tonight in Montreal at <laughs> Club Soda. No one will die, I promise. Mm. I promise. <laughs> Very excited. Mm. Cannibal Ox, Dean Grey, Lyric Michelle, and Waisu, Club Soda tonight. Be there. Tell all your friends. This is a big event. This is it. This um, could be it. Congrats. Well, could be it. Congrats to you for doing super, super. Just, I, I've, I've always enjoyed... Um, I mean, I enjoyed you as a friend and as a, just a really smart person and now a, a great dad. Um, but I, I thank you for all your very logical, practical, and uh, for knowing good music and for, for, for knowing good people um, and respecting that and always bringing uh, great people together. So thank you. That's what I do. And thank good you. Job. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for being one of them, for sure. One of my favorites right here, and hopefully one of y'all's as well. That's what they told us when we came in. Jean Grey is your favorite. With and I'm a so U. glad we got to spend this time together today. Let's spend some more time. Let's go do something. Can we spell everything with U's because we're here? Like yeah, favorite. Color and favorite. 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 We were supposed to do this in French. It's not going to happen. No, all right. Okay. Well, thank you guys for coming <laughs> out, definitely. And thanks to Pop Montreal. Thank you guys. Tonight, Club Soda, don't forget, Jean Grey.